Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man that knows what he will do and what he will never do, and he's never going to give you up. He's never going to let you down. He's never going to run around and desert you. He is the very reliable captain. Oh, shit. I was just rickrolled on my own show. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Tonight we are drinking triple by New Belgian Brewing Company, garage grade four and three quarter bottle caps out of five. This is one of the most important American triples ever made. And this triple threat was brought to us by these cool cats. First up, we have Rowdy in Carrollton, Kentucky. And a big shout out to Bailey in Richmond, Virginia. Next, we go out west and give a shout out to Melly Sia in San Francisco, California. Are you drunk already? And a big shout out to Aaron and Sue in Cookville, Tennessee. We have some new members of Beautiful Parts Unknown. First up, we have Jessica. We also have Barbara. And last but not least, we have Dustin, who is recommending Voodoo Ranger IPA. So thanks to everybody who filled up the fridge for this week's show. If you want to buy us around for next week's show, go to truecrimegarage.com and click on the donate button. And a big announcement for Parts Unknown. Again, uh, we just want to remind people that, you know, we don't want to limit people's freedoms, but it is a pants party. So it's not a no pants party. It is a pants party. So keep your pants on and parts unknown. And every week, the captain thanks you for listening. Thanks you for telling a friend. I want to thank everybody for subscribing to the show. And if you love the show and you got an extra 30 seconds, go to the iTunes store and leave us a five-star review. It really helps out the show. Yeah. Or, or if you have an extra 30 seconds, uh, Go to the beer fund and uh, donate like $5.6 billion if you could. I mean, the reviews are nice, but if you could donate a couple billion dollars, that would be very nice. That's enough of the business, Captain. Everybody gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. 
Candace Hiltz, who was just 17 years old, was murdered on August 15, 2006. She was described at the time as a teen mother who had an 11-month-old daughter. Candace's family said Candace Hiltz had an altercation of some sort with an officer at the sheriff's office about a week before she was killed. Just days before her death, the family's dog went missing. Mm-hmm. James Hiltz, Candace's older brother, was a person of interest in the murder but was never charged. Multiple family members who have spoken out all say James Hiltz was not the murderer and that he wouldn't have hurt his younger sister. Now, we said yesterday, Captain, that Candace's daughter Paige was born with an illness and unfortunately, a little more than six years after Candace's murder, Paige passed away. The murder investigation went cold for many years. There seemed to be no new suspects, no new clues or leads. In fact, it appears that despite everything said by the Hilts family, the sheriff's office seems to have set their sights on Candace's brother, James. And for much of this investigation, and probably to this day, they still believe that he did this or was in fact involved. Dolores wanted the autopsy released to the public. She believed that there was information in, the, in there that would clear this thing up or at least clear her son, James. Mm-hmm. Well, the Hiltz family got their wish and the autopsy was eventually released. And I'll read most of this article to you regarding this. This is titled Release to the Public Autopsy. Candace Hiltz shot seven times. Three different types of guns could have been used. This is from the Daily Record. You sure you don't want me to stutter through it? I, <laughs> I'll let you hold my hand. Um, <laughs> so here we go. Details no. from Candace Hiltz autopsy revealed that she was maliciously murdered. This is obtained from the Fremont County Coroner under the Colorado Open Records Act. The formal autopsy states that Hiltz was found dead August 15, 2006. She was shot seven times total, six in the head and one in the chest. The autopsy also reveals that three types of guns could have been used in her murder and that she was shot both in the front and in the back. The autopsy said Hiltz was shot from the front once in the head with a shotgun and then five times in the back with a gun of a small caliber. She also was shot once in the chest from the front with a gun of a medium caliber. The paths of the bullets are steeply downward back to front and left to right, the autopsy states, regarding the shotguns from the back. Mm-hmm. In a previous interview with Candace, Candace Hilt's mother, Dolores Hiltz, she implied that the bullets going downward seemed like someone either executed her daughter or that there were two shooters. However, the autopsy doesn't present evidence that the guns were fired at a close range or the order she was shot. Besi- yeah, but there's a bunch of evidence that points that she was murdered in her house. Mm-hmm. So it'd have to be at least somewhat close range. It wouldn't be a, of a considerable distance, no. Uh, besides detailing where Candace Hiltz was shot, how many times she was shot, the different bullets found. The autopsy also details what occurred when Candace Hiltz was discovered. According to the autopsy, Candace Hiltz was last seen alive at noon and was later found by her boyfriend, who was not named in the report. The boyfriend of the deceased had left to go to Cannon City and then drove home, the report said adding that he eventually arrived at Candace Hilt's house when he heard the one-year-old infant screaming. He entered the residence, saw blood, and picked up the baby who appeared to be unharmed. He then went outside with the baby and took her to his wife. Oh, what? He took... 
the baby to his wife. But this is Candace's boyfriend. According to the autopsy, it's Candace's boyfriend, yes. Uh, this That makes zero sense. So he goes in, mm-hmm. sees that his girlfriend's dead, takes his girlfriend's baby, which is not his baby, and then takes the baby to his wife. Mm-hmm. All right. That's what this document states. Mm-hmm. Um, continuing on, we'll, we'll get into this, Captain. There's a lot to discuss here. That makes zero sense. This man then returned to the deceased home and found the deceased placed underneath the bed unresponsive, the report said. Uh-huh. She was pronounced dead at 5.23 p.m. Now, Dolores Hiltz, in a previous interview, said that she had first found her daughter wrapped in a blanket underneath the bed, also but didn't mention anything about a boyfriend finding her daughter. After the evidence was discovered and reported, each family member who spoke with the Daily Record about it and about the murder investigation all said that James Hiltz did not kill Candace Hiltz. Okay. So that's the newspaper article. Well, that look, now we have some issues because we have one, Dolores, she's saying, I found my daughter. She has always said that, yes. And then I called the police. And now we have this other guy, which we don't know his name. So I don't even know what to call him. Okay, you want me to clear all this up for you? No, I'm trying to come up with a name for this guy first. I'll call him Reginald Wife Girlfriend Combo. There you go. Is that okay. too, too lengthy? I'll call him Reggie for short. Okay. So let's. We, there's so much ground to cover here, Captain. I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm almost spinning trying to figure out where to start. First of all, in that's the pose. <laughs> you know. All right. So this autopsy did not get released to the public for many years after Candace's murder. Okay. So let's be clear about that. Second of all, this is a secondhand account. We're hearing this through, you know, the media. Um, they could have chosen to leave things out. Um, mm-hmm. They could have misspoke on certain things. I don't get the vibe that that happened, but I do want to be clear. This is a secondhand account of this autopsy. It's not us looking at it with our own eyes. Right now. Why is it important that this autopsy didn't come out for many years for several reasons? One is that Dolores Hilt said for years that when she would think about the case, she would go to the sheriff's office and she would look through the case file stating that the case file was about 2000 pages. And within that case file was the autopsy. Well, good for her. You know, good for her, but I, I, I don't know what's going on over at that sheriff's office. Either she is has misspoken, um, to put it politely, or they're letting people involved in the inner circle of a victim look at a case file. It, that seems like strange doings to me. Um, now, regardless, yeah. she has said to the media for many years, you know, mm-hmm. there's something strange going on here. The sheriff's office might uh, they're either hiding something or they might be involved in this murder, uh, get the autopsy because I've read it. This is her words. I've read it. Once you read the autopsy, it's going to, it's going to present things in a different light and you're going to see what I'm talking about. Well, what it presents is that we don't know if Flores was telling the truth or not about finding the daughter. That's what it right proves. Right? Which is so that's so weird to me. Okay. So yeah. first of all, you have this situation where it almost sounds like Dolores is lying about finding her daughter. And let's be clear. I mean, we understand that that her daughter died and that she's probably doing everything that she can to figure out how this happened. Mm-hmm. 
But, you know, we have to point out the obvious things. So I don't want some thing saying, well, they're victim blaming. No, we're no, not. We're, we're not. trying we're to just, look through this thing. Yeah. This thing is, look, Captain, we stepped in it this week. All right. I'll tell you that. We stepped in it. This thing is a mess. Yeah, you stepped in it and you brought it into the garage and I'm going to have to get out that bleach and I'm going to have to do a lot of cleaning this week. <laughs> so, I, I, look, I apologize that there's so much to sift through here, but comes walking in with his night costume on, swinging his sword everywhere. It's embarrassing. <laughs> anyway, so we have Dolores who is telling the media to seek out this autopsy. Now, if in fact she had seen the autopsy in advance and is telling the media to seek it out, well, that makes me that makes me believe she has nothing to hide from what they're going to find in the autopsy. Yeah, and I think that's her actions time and time again, though, is that she really doesn't have much to hide. Mm-hmm. So that's where I you got to start believing some of the stuff that she says because why would she be pointing at evidence that you know? makes her look in a bad light. Oh, and you know what? I kind of I kind of poo-pooed on the sheriff's department there and I misspoke. Okay, so just I want to be clear because I just reviewed my notes here. Uh it says that she stopped by the public defender's office on several occasions and reviewed the case file there which can which contained an autopsy report. Okay. Okay, so the, a little I, different. I, right, right. A little different there. Um all right, so the first question is who actually found Candace? Was it this was it this boyfriend who then took the baby back to his wife? Reginald. Yeah, Reggie takes the baby back to his wife and then goes back and finds Candace. Here's the clear-cut problem with this whole situation. It can't be both. There's no way that this thing could get misconstrued to be being both because in both stories it's one completely different person by themselves finding the baby and then finding the the, the Candace. No, it's not, my friend. Because he has this baby. He finds the baby and he drives back to his wife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where's her alibi? Okay. Just to paint this picture. He shows up with his girlfriend or with his wife at his girlfriend's house. They... They murder her, right? Okay. Who finds the body? Oh, the guy that murdered her. What a convenient cover-up. Well, I... And then whose alibi is who? Oh, my wife's alibi. We didn't kill my girlfriend. And there was two people involved in the murder. I'm just saying. Just putting that out there as a possibility. Well, I know that we named this guy Reggie, but the reports that we see regarding the autopsy, they do not name this guy. They do not name his wife. Now, what Dolores would, would tell the media is that this is just one of several problems with the autopsy itself. Well, you're right, but there's that's also several problems with the investigation because we have no name of this person. So, And we also have factual evidence that law enforcement left behind evidence. Well, right? so, so we know that they have bonkered up this case a little bit. They, you know, they, they gummed up the pipes right so what happened with this guy well the autopsy itself could say his name the the newspaper that released this information may not have felt like they could release his no no then that's fair um i'm guessing that the the, his name appears in the autopsy but what i'm stating is that we have evidence that proves that they're incompetent on certain levels of this investigation and that might have been an avenue 
where they put their blinders on and they go, you know what? Girl ends up dead and we, we've been looking for a crazy brother. Mm-hmm. He's our number one suspect. Mm-hmm. Well, your number one sp- suspect might be the guy that's taken a baby to his wife that he got from his girlfriend, his dead girlfriend's house. Maybe that should be your first number one suspect. That would be mine. Well, Dolores says that this was not Candace's boyfriend, first of all. That that, that was something that they just got wrong. That she didn't have a boyfriend, okay? Okay, this is just getting so second of all, Second of all, the, the person that they are talking about is not married. So there's... That's tough. There's several there's several problems with that statement in the autopsy. This according to Dolores. However, she states that this man was a friend of a neighbor. Uh, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. Was a son of a neighbor mm-hmm. who was asked to drop by the house to check on Candace and the baby. There, here's the problem though. That's as far as an explanation as we get from anybody. Okay. Okay, so you clear it still doesn't explain who found who the body. Found, who first. found the body? You're exactly right. Or where the baby was when the body was found. It doesn't explain any of that. And and only one of those stories can be true. It's not it's not a meshing of the two stories. Right. It doesn't work. It doesn't work for this for this situation. No, not at all. I would love for somebody to clear this up because the problem we have is like I said, both stories don't work here. One of one is right and one is wrong. And for you to prove to me which one is correct, Dolores, I would like to know the name of this guy that you asked to drop by the house to check on Candace and the baby. Maybe he can confirm that this is what actually took place and back up your story that you were, in fact, the person that found the baby and Candace. Yeah, or or police could confirm this as well. And that's what I'm getting at. But both sides should be should come out here and tell us what the heck is going on because there's something very strange and fishy going on. And it, to me, it almost looks like I almost question both sides at this point. Yeah. It seems like some weird actions on both sides, but what is Dolores's thoughts on what happened to her daughter? Okay. So while we're on the topic of the autopsy, this is perfect timing. She states that there are at least two gunmen. Uh, it seems to me like that's the one thing that they can agree on, the Sheriff's Department and Dolores. Or gunman, gunwoman. Yep. She says that um, she believes that her daughter was shot simultaneously from two directions and was dead before she hit the floor. Now, keep in mind, she was shot inside the family home. And this is also where the simultaneously being shot at theory comes from. Because mm-hmm. there's really no proof of this. Yeah. Now she states that she that Candace had two shotgun wounds, one to the back of the head and one to the left of the back of her head. Um, she had eight to ten twenty-two caliber gunshot wounds in her left side. Dolores said, when they were dragging her body down the hall, she thinks that Candace had some death tremors and that her head would have touched the doorway and left a wavy blood pattern on the door. She believes that a shooter then reloaded the shotgun and shot Candace again in the chest because, according to Dolores, um, there is a gunshot on Candace that is listed as an after-death wound. Well, this is some crazy CSI shit. Well, and I hate to keep harping on this, but we have a situation, Captain, where either the autopsy is wrong, that, that things in the autopsy are wrong, or Dolores is wrong. Yeah, we get it. There's some 
conflicting stories. Now, one thing I should point out in that I would put in Dolores's favor here mm-hmm. is that back in January of 2007, uh, Dolores filed a formal complaint with the state attorney general's office alleging mismanagement of the crime scene, complete with copies of all of the pictures that she took. Uh, she also included her theory that a law officer could have been involved in her daughter's death. Right. Now, now tell me what person in their right mind would have been involved in this and then brought a spotlight, a big spotlight on this case. And by the way, when I bring the spotlight underneath that spotlight, I'm going to give you all the evidence. Right. If you're, if you're involved, you don't do stuff like that. Right. It seems to me that she's being very transparent. She's allowing everybody to see into what's going on. Uh, I point that out with, with this incident now that nothing becomes of this, of her Mm. formal complaint, but she is taking it to one of the highest offices that she can and presenting evidence and presenting a story, which like you said, could end up with her being investigated. Um, so she must've felt confident in her beliefs of what had, had occurred. Um, and again, she encouraged the media to seek out this autopsy. So maybe even though these stories aren't lining up, she is, maybe she feels she's honest. Therefore she has nothing to hide. An honest man, an honest woman has nothing to hide. Right. Right. And she's being very forthcoming with everything. Yeah. And you know, I mean, this, this is just speculation. Just mm-hmm. a little speculation. Just a little birdie told me this little story that possibly the person that performed this autopsy was related to Fami Malik. That this <laughs> is what a birdie told me. I, I'm hoping one day Fami quits appearing in every I'm every sorry. show that we do. Um, I I generally believe that most of these coroners are doing a great job. Medical examiners are doing a great job, and that we're and that's where the real facts, where you get the mm-hmm. real facts from. Um. So I if if we. You know, when we tell his story, the story about Fami Malik and everything he screwed up, it makes it look like this could be going on everywhere. And I hate, I can't live my life like walking around. No, 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 that. no. It, the, what I'm saying here is, you know, this autopsy, which she is pointing to, mm-hmm. she's saying, take a look at this. There might be one or two inconsistent things in it, but the overall picture is there. And I think maybe that's what she's saying is, well, yeah, they didn't get that right, but who cares? You know, cause it, does it really matter if she found the body or he found the body, like the evidence within the body and that's what the autopsy is. That's probably the most important evidence here. Right. I mean, I, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter, but it, it's something that should be clear. No, no, it should be clear. But what I'm stating is that, you know, even with that unclearness, she's still saying, Hey, you need to take a look at this because there's enough evidence here to, to, to go with her theory or to go into the fact that there should be more of an investigation. And this was a situation and we see this time and time again where law enforcement, they come to a conclusion and then they got their guy just on a different mm-hmm. thing. And he's in this hospital. So he's away and he's, you know, he's not going to harm anybody. Right. Mm-hmm. So we got our guy and now we stop working on it. Now there is an interview where, you know, Dolores, she isn't always just saying that the sheriff's office killed Candace. Uh, or that that Dodd killed Candace and covered it up. Right. She, you know she's not she's not stuck to that one hundred percent all of the time. And you know there was one at least one occasion where she did state that perhaps it was a couple of girls who were jealous of Candace 
and not an officer who had killed her daughter because of the after death tremor. Remember the, the after death shot that we spoke of right. where she believes that there was a death tremor and then the killer reloaded the gun and shot her then. Her statement is that she believes a trained officer would know about death tremors and would not have panicked thinking that Candace was still alive and then shot her again. Yeah, but most uh, police officers haven't shot a person before. That's true. But she does bring up an interesting topic for Mm -hmm. me. And this is when I review what the autopsy says according to the newspaper. Now, to be clear, the autopsy according to the newspaper makes it sound like Candace was shot in the front and in the back simultaneously, right? From opposite directions simultaneously. I have a hard time believing that trained officers who are trained in in strategically moving through a home, clearing out rooms, moving through buildings, clearing out rooms, they're also trained not to shoot at one another, okay? If, if, yeah, but they're shooting downwards. If this victim is between you and I and we're both firing at her, we, we run a risk of getting caught in some kind of crossfire action, you know, that me shooting you on accident. Right, but that being shot at the same time is pure speculation. That is speculation. And in fact, actually, Dolores believes that she was, fact, in fact, shot on the side, not from the... Not from two opposite directions. Well, I don't know how much I buy this whole jealous girl theory. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't think that lines up to me. I think if Candace said something that hit a nerve with law enforcement, is it possible? Because if there was some truth to what she was saying, and are they trying to cover up some other misdoing? We've seen that in the past. Mm-hmm. There's so much more to get into, and <laughs> the biggest maybe twist of the whole story right after this beer break. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I highly recommend that you give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com garage 
today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash garage. This show is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Check out BetterHelp.com slash garage today. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners, get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com garage. Visit IXL.com garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com garage today. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So, no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add ons to choose from every week, You'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All 
All right, we're back. Cheers, me mateys. All right, Captain, we're going to shift gears here a little bit. I hope you are a fan of Storage Wars yeah. because we are about to get into some storage locker conversation. This taking place in Cannon City, uh, the Fremont County Sheriff Jim Beaker said that he has placed Sheriff's Lieutenant Robert Dodd on administrative leave after it was reported by the Pueblo Chieftain that evidence in a gruesome decades-old murder case was found in a storage unit formerly rented by Dodd. Question. Leave, you say? Mm-hmm. Is he on paid leave? Well, they have to investigate this and see if there was wrongdoing by uh, Lieutenant Dodd. Um, a local citizen, this is Rick Ratzloff, um, he recently bought the contents of a storage unit in an auction uh, that had been rented by Dodd. But Dodd lost control of the unit's contents because he failed to pay the rental fees. Yeah. When this citizen looked inside, he found some of Detective Dodd's old uniforms with his name badge on it. He also found sirens and lights off of police cars and several items in envelopes marked evidence. And you're not really supposed to take those lights and do whatever you want with them. That's property of the city. Now, Ratzliff believed, uh, I'm sorry, Ratzliff met the sheriff and another officer at the storage unit. These two officers took the evidence as directed by the Colorado Bureau of Investigation. Mm -hmm. Now, the way this went down is he contacted the sheriff's department and he said, look, I found these things in this storage unit. They had a bit of a meeting at the storage unit and they agreed that the sheriff's department could take these items with them for investigation. We could just play his clip if you want to. No, it's a terrible clip. Um, So we have Sheriff Beaker confirmed in his statement that on December 30th, uh, this is in 2016, that he and Commander Jeff Worley, they did briefly look at all of the evidence in the storage locker and immediately contacted CBI regarding the matter. With their consultation, they cataloged, photographed, collected, and secured the items, moving them into the Fremont County evidence storage. Mm -hmm. Now, on January 3rd of this year, the CBI sent two agents to meet with the sheriff, and they took all of the evidence because this is obviously an active investigation. Mm -hmm. Now, the CBI confirmed that it is investigating how this evidence came to be in a storage unit. Now, let's talk about some of these things here. Um, there was a blanket that was recovered in the storage unit. Now, Dolores says that this blanket is familiar to her. She says that this is the blanket that Candace's body was in. Um, that was the blanket that, that she and her son, Jonathan, had bagged and eventually gave to the sheriff's office. Okay. She, they also found bloody socks there um, in the storage unit. Dolores believes that these socks were on Candace's feet when she pulled her from underneath the bed. Um, they would have been taken off with her clothes, with Candace's clothes, when she was taken to the autopsy. A hatchet was also recovered in the storage lock. Yeah, a Dolores, very weird-looking hatchet. Yes, and I, I describe this as like a hatchet that you would throw. Yeah. Um, maybe in a circus act or something like that. Well, it um, kind of looks like something from He-Man. I'm glad you said that because I was thinking like Snake Eyes from G.I. Joe, something okay. that, he, that he would throw. Anyway, sorry. We dorked it up there for a minute. Super dork. Um, a hatchet was recovered in the storage unit, and Dolores says that this is familiar to her as well because it was one that she had owned. Um, and she stated that it probably lying outside by a wood pile, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and it is a weapon that was used, this is her opinion, used to kill the family dog. Um, the dog's name was Jackson. It was a female dog. Um, uh, she had disappeared three days before Candace's murder. There was also a rope that was found. This may have been the one that was used to tie Jackson to the tree. So right. the dog was taken to a back hill, tied to a tree, and axed. All right. Okay. If someone had... Now, this is Dolores's words. Mm-hmm. If someone had tried to break in, the dog would have went ballistic. Now, uh, CBI officials confirmed that they are investigating the recovery of the evidence in the storage facility. Now, but isn't that something that maybe only the family would know about the dog going ballistic? Possibly, yes. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, sometimes people that break into homes or plan to commit crimes just assume that they don't want to deal with a dog. Well, and they also found, like, boxes of paperwork or something like that. Yeah, from the sheriff's office. So these are all very bad things for Lieutenant Dodd. Yeah. He owns this storage unit. He defaults on the payments. And then when it's purchased by somebody else, they discover what could be evidence in a murder case, an active murder investigation. Well, and I wonder if, you know, the term applies here. I mean, if you can't afford to do the time or afford to pay the time on your storage locker, then you can't afford to do the crime or something like that. There, there's no saying like that at all. Um, the, yep. <laughs> the thing here is captain, we got a bad situation because Dodd is like you said, placed on administrative leave. Um, I believe it to be paid. Uh, if you want to feel worse about the situation, I do believe that he was paid for this administrative leave. He, um, he would eventually be charged with mishandling evidence, um, with, uh, you know, not doing his job properly, uh-huh. uh, for a lack of a better term. Um, he, he's not, there's been no conviction in this situation yet. He has since retired from the sheriff's office and of course he has, he did. He's moved out of state. Run and hide my friend. Run so and hide. He's run. He's run out. I was going to say moved out of state, but he ran out of state. Right. Um, anyway, this, this problem doesn't really end here because then we are going to fast forward to about six months later. There was additional evidence that was allegedly connected to former Fremont County Sheriff's office detective, Robert Dodd, which was found and recovered from the phantom landfill in Penrose. Now, according to the Pueblo chieftain, Cannon city resident, Rick Ratzluff, uh, who also discovered evidence from a 2006 homicide in December, he received a tip from the phantom landfill worker. Uh, this is Robert Orton, who said that more apparent evidence had been found from a dumpster that was collected from Dodd's former residence. Dodd had already been charged by this time with abuse of public records and two counts of second-degree official misconduct mm-hmm. after the evidence was found by Ratzliff caused an investigation by the CBI. Now, since this investigation, uh, as we mentioned, Dodd had resigned. Uh, he now lives in Texas. Uh, he's scheduled to appear in court at this time that this stuff is found. Now, what is this stuff that is found? Well, they collected a dumpster, okay, from his former residence okay. that was full of stuff. Now, like maybe one of those rent a dumpsters before you're going to move out. Yeah, that's what it sounds like to me. And it, I guess they have to check for hazmat type material before they can dump the stuff. 
Mm-hmm. Well, when they were checking the dumpster, they found uh, what is listed as, quote, a fat envelope that looked like criminal investigation paperwork, a videotape labeled as it, as containing a sexual assault investigation interview, and a tackle box marked FCSO Crime Scene Unit Forensic Lights. And just to remind everybody, this is the same individual that was questioning the family, and Candace called him out when he said that he's going to take her to jail. I mean, this guy shows multiple levels of incompetency at the law enforcement position. Um, I do want to note that the paperwork that was found in the landfill, um, the official reports and paperwork that were found, uh, they they dated from 2003 to 2006. Um, So who knows if that included this murder investigation that would have started in August of 2006. All right. So what is the big problem with all this evidence coming out? Um, Well, of course, as you pointed out, not only did Dodd potentially have the altercation with Candace, but he was also one of the lead investigators in her murder case. Right. Um, This presents all kinds of problems. You know, like Frank Costanza says, I got a lot of problems with you people, and now you're going to hear about them. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we have this guy. We have this guy that's not fit to be an officer at all, in my opinion. He's dragging down the rest of the good people that do that job because, like you said, he's incompetent. And I hate to judge a book by its cover, but that's all I have. I'm a guy that lives a thousand miles away right. and can only read these things in the newspaper. But his acts, his the the things he has done, mm-hmm. um, this guy is he's just a sloppy, lazy mess, is right. what I think this guy is. Um is he capable of murdering somebody? I don't know. Is he capable of covering it up? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think this guy can, I don't think he's, <laughs> I don't right, think but he's, that doesn't mean that he didn't try and right. he's failing miserably. Now I do want to point out, you know, we said that Dodd has been charged with this and this has not been resolved yet. Um, if you want to have something to be angry about today, I'll give you something to be angry about today. I'm already pissed there, off, man. I have heard some reports that they were trying to work out a plea bargain with Dodd. Mm -hmm. I have a bazillion problems with that, and everybody else should, including the sheriff who's in charge in Fremont County and including the district attorney that's in charge. Here's why. Because if you can't trust your police, if you can't trust your sheriff, who can you trust, right? Who, Who do you got on your side? That's what they are there for. That is what they are supposed to be doing. And like I said, this guy is a sloppy, lazy mess, and he's dragging down the rest of the good women and men that are performing this tough, very tough job every day and night, keeping us safe and giving them bad light. And here's the thing. If you, if I, if, if I'm this dude's boss, all right, if I'm captain chief sheriff dog in town, you're a colonel, I'm the captain. And I got this little sloppy, lazy mess, Dodd. He's got evidence in a storage unit. He's throwing away important items uh, in the landfill, in a dumpster. What else? Who knows where else he threw stuff away at? Right. You know who You know who he's making look bad? He's making me look bad. The head dog in charge. He's bringing down the whole sheriff's department. Mm-hmm. I, if I were this Sheriff Beaker guy, I'd be on the phone with the district attorney, and I would say, no, you throw the book at this guy. Throw the. We need to make an example out of him for the public, but more importantly, for the other officers that are coming up through the ranks. This is stuff that even, oh. even if he wasn't trying to cover up a murder, 
even if he wasn't hiding anything, right. this is just a sloppy, lazy mess that Dodd sat in for years. And this is not how you can run any type of investigation. This is not how you can run any type of sheriff's department and hope to get things done. Well, it's obstruction of justice, which, which is breaking right. the law. So if you break the law, you should go to jail. And that's what this uh, scumbag deserves. Now, is to this, go to jail. Is this stuff evidence in the murder of Candace? I don't know. We'll get into that in a minute. But regardless, let's say that it is. Let's say that these items were somehow involved or connected to the murder of Candace Hiltz. We have a big freaking problem here now, Captain, because a guess huge what? Problem. If, if I find this evidence and I find DNA evidence on this stuff mm-hmm. that ties somebody to the crime or points me in a direction that would lead me to solve the crime, guess what? This stuff ain't going to work in the court of law because you can't, any good defense attorney is going to tell the jury yep. this stuff sat in a locker in a storage unit. It was not in a controlled environment. It was being housed by this cop that we don't know if he's a bad dude or not. For years and years and years, this is contaminated evidence. You now can't use this to convict anybody. We have a case that looks to me to be in the get-go, in the early get-go, this case should have been solvable. The problem well, is it's unraveled and it's fell apart throughout the years and it's only gotten worse. And I fear, I fear people, and I know we've questioned Dolores and, and what's going on there in that situation. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Candace is the victim here. She deserves justice. Dolores, our family, family deserves, deserves justice, justice as, as well. well. Yeah. And I fear that, that nobody's going to get this because of moves that have been made by the sheriff's department. That's just if he's a sloppy mess and he's not involved. But he, if he's a somehow involved, they can still tie this in uh, this uh, to have evidence against him. And I'll be really interested to see what the CBI comes out and says, you know, moving forward. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that information as well. Here's the thing. Here's my other thoughts on this. I know mm-hmm. I, I know I got real worked up there because I do feel like Dodd regardless has done some very bad things, some Sloppy. wrong things. Sloppy mess. Now, mm-hmm. let's say let's say that this stuff is not evidence in the actual Candace case. Right. Now that might be confusing for somebody listening right now. What do you mean by that? And the well, nobody has come out and stated 100% that this is stuff that was actually taken from the Hilt's home, that this was in fact the hatchet that was used to kill the dog. Okay, here's where I call into question the hatchet. Right. You you and I described it. Um, Dolores described it as a hatchet that she believed own, that she owned and that would have been near a wood pile. I'm assuming it's near the wood pile because it was used for chopping up wood and sticks and things like that. This does not look to me like the hatchet I would pick out to chop up wood. Right, but you don't look like somebody that could chop wood. I can chop wood. <laughs> well, now here's well, the thing. Oh, sure, <laughs> but not with that hatchet. Not with that hatchet, my friend. This hatchet to me, this hatchet to me looks like either, <laughs> either something that Dolores would not have owned. I don't know why she would say right. that, that that's one that I owned and it was used for chopping wood. Mm-hmm. I would tend to lead lean more to the side that this could be a hatchet that was stolen from somebody's home by James. Um, this looks to be more of a decorative um, hatchet rather than something you would use as a tool. Um, so there's, there's where I question that, um, you know, that's where the big uproar is because everybody's saying that we have hidden evidence in a murder case. I've not had anybody 
with any background come out and tell me that this stuff is actually involved in that murder case. What we do have is a law enforcement officer that we know for a fact withheld evidence. We just don't know what the evidence is for and which cases it's for. So there are four major theories swirling around this whole unsolved case here. And I know that it's pretty obvious that we obvious that we danced all over two of them, Mm -hmm. but let's go through them very quickly here. And I'm, just you know, I'm not trying to brag or anything, but we we look like Justin Timberlake and James Brown. That's that's right. Anyway, um, so the first theory that's out there is that the father of this baby came to the house and killed Candace. So this would be Paige's father. Now, there's several problems with this theory. One, we don't know, we don't have on record who the name, what the name is of the father. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the theory would be something like this, that he, he was either angry with Candace or he didn't want to be a father, didn't want to have a baby in his life. So he kills Candace. This doesn't ring true to me real well. It, it doesn't sit well with me because I don't see this person. I don't can't find any evidence. First of all, of this person being involved in this baby's life for 11 months. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, if I had fathered a child, didn't want to, and wasn't told that I'm the father, didn't have any knowledge of this, nobody seeking money from me or anything of that nature, and this baby's fine, you know, living for 11 months elsewhere in the care of its mother, I don't know that I would have any, I w- why would I have any ill feelings towards that situation? Uh, Yeah, I get your point there. I think the major thing here for me on this theory and why I don't buy it is I feel like Candace's uh, family would be talking more about this theory. Right. That's a very good point. I think if, if he were to be a suspect, we would have heard this person's name from the Hilt's family themselves. So moving on to theory number two, that Candace was killed by strangers, that somebody busted into the house and killed Candace and then left seemingly with no motive at all. Um, really, I guess the only thing you could come up with here is that it would be some type of thrill kill. Um, but to me, this seems, seems targeted in a way where with most of these thrill killings from my experience, they they seem to be more of crimes of opportunity where they stumble upon their eventual victim. This to me looks like someone targeted the house for some reason, came in and killed her. I mean, somebody obviously showed up with several different firearms, showed up with something used to break into the house itself. And here's the other problem I have. I firmly believe that the death of this dog is linked to the death of Candace. Candace. Right, which would be days prior. Right. And it seems to me like that would be, that's not random at all. Like somebody would have had to stake out the house, watch the house, capture the dog somehow. And then tie it to the tree and then kill Candace later. I, to yeah. me, that seems, it, it almost seems lazier than the work that, uh, that, that Lieutenant Dodd was doing. Yeah. The only thing about this theory for me would be, yeah, it could have been the, you know, dog has something to do with it. Like we said, it was prior, but it could be, could have been a situation where there's a group of individuals that thought for some reason on this property was an opportunity and you know, they staked out the, they staked out the house or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, there's really no evidence towards that. 
then obviously one of the theories also would be that her older brother, James, killed Candace. Now, I know that I've called into question a lot of things going on with James, and and he does look like a likely suspect or somebody that I would consider to be a person of interest. Um, like I said, with that hatchet that was found, if if that was the one that was used, that looks to me like something that would have been stolen from another home. I can't speak uh, enough to the point of what was his state of mind. I don't think any of us could could fathom what he was going through and how he was going to handle the situation that he found himself in. But the problem I have here with that is I feel like the sheriffs, they circled in on this guy very quickly. Mm -hmm. And I almost feel like if there was evidence to put this guy away, they would have done so. And, but that's not what happened. They, that's not what happened at all. They put evidence in the storage locker. Now, we have Dolores who will who has continued to blame uh, her son's situation and the situation of the investigation on the sheriff's department. And I think some of that is definitely rightfully so. Now, with her son, her son, James Hiltz, he remains at the state hospital to this day. He does have some off campus privileges. Um, but here's the thing. It sounds to me, I've had Dolores, I've, I've, I've read two stories from Dolores mm-hmm. regarding her son, James, and where he is now. One stating that, you know, he should have been released by now and the police keep, the sheriff's department keeps returning to the hospital every time he comes up for a hearing stating that he is a suspect in a murder investigation. But she has also said that James has chosen to stay at the state hospital. So I... I guess both could be true in this situation, um, but it seems strange to hear both versions from the same person. Yeah, my my problem with the fact that James would be the the murderer is the fact that you know this murder to me the evidence points that there was, this was done by multiple people, so it would have to be James and somebody else. Who's that other person? Right. And there's no evidence of this other person. Other thing too is we have no evidence of this individual being violent. Um, now that being said, I think with his mental state, is it possible that he actually killed the dog? But had nothing to do with his sister's murder. That's very possible as well because because of the weapon that the dog was murdered with, mm-hmm. and so that's a little odd. But I think the other thing too here though, and when I said, oh well, maybe the family helped cover it up. We have an individual that is where he needs to be for his health and his mental health and knowing that, and then knowing that we, we might need to keep him there. If, if the family felt that they needed to keep him there, I don't think they would cover that up. Right. Right. I don't think that they would cover that up at all. The, then the other obvious one would be, was somebody from the sheriff's office involved in the murder or killed Candace and has covered it up? Well, so, well, so many signs point to yes. Yes, they do. Um, One thing I struggled with here is in the beginning was I really thought that given what I know about sheriff's departments and about police activity, I really felt like that if the police or sheriffs have done this, that I didn't get the feeling that they would capture the dog in advance and kill it out in the woods. Mm -hmm. You know, we all know police activity we, they're, you know, they are more than capable of busting down a door, 
shooting an animal that charges the door and then going in and taking care of business. So I didn't see a reason for that act to take place. But then the more I get to thinking about it, I question one thing. We had that story from basically an unknown source stating that Candace at some point had gone to the sheriff's office to file some kind of formal complaint. Mm -hmm. Here's what I question. Is there a chance that maybe whatever was done to that dog, that poor dog, that that was done as some kind of threat? And yeah. what I would be curious to know, and we will, we will never know this, whatever was done to that dog, did that happen? And was that a threat that was not received by the family because they were unaware that the dog was missing or just thought the dog took off on some adventure? And then Candace goes and files this report or attempts to file a report with the sheriff's office. Yeah. If, if we knew that little piece right there, I would think that all points show and sign and the point to someone in the sheriff's office, uh, probably Dodd because why did he have any of this stuff to begin with? Why was he taking these items home? Why was he placing them in a storage locker that seemed like you're hiding them tucked away? And then yet he's careless enough to default on the payments where somebody can find this stuff. Same with the things that were collected from his home that ended up in the landfill as well. Those are those most of those items that we talked about that ended up in that landfill, those were regarding other cases. Mm -hmm. I, I just don't understand why this guy was taking anything home. Do I think he was a shady dude? I, I Look, look. Taking the stuff home and hiding it, yes, shady dude. I think he's more shady than that. I think he was doing some things that he shouldn't have been doing. I think he was covering some of his own tracks. I don't know that I can say... 100% that he's capable of murdering somebody and covering it up. The big question for me is now can I believe, let's say I believe that he, he is capable of that. Do I believe that people within the sheriff's office would have helped him? That for me is where I can't make the leap. I can make the leap to believe that Dodd did this. doesn't mean that he doesn't know some other shady individuals. Right. That's true. But I, 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 I'm having the trouble making the leap that more people in the sheriff's office were involved in this than just potentially Dodd. Well, we have multiple evidence, you know, like we said before, that, you know, him taking evidence home, storage in the locker, that's shady stuff. But whatever Candace said to him, I think hit a nerve. And I think mm -hmm. that if you investigate that avenue, you're going to find more answers. I just lean towards that there's a lot of shady stuff going on with this uh, individual. And like you said, I think the dog was possibly a warning as well. And I, I apologize if at any time we seemed frustrated during these episodes, but this was a very frustrating, I'm not sorry, very frustrating case to cover because there, there's so many things that are wrong with this case. There's so many things that, that you question. This might be the messiest case that we've covered. Um, yeah, and look, I'm not one to jump down law enforcement throats. I, I love conspiracies, right? Mm -hmm. Captain conspiracy all day long. But I normally don't fall to the line of, oh, this is possibly law enforcement. But every so often, it's clear, you know, it's more of a clear picture. And I think you saw that, you know, with um, like Boys on the Tracks mm -hmm. case, for example. And I think here, 
again, there's I, there's not enough to point a finger and saying it's this guy. I know it. He did it. But I think there's enough nuggets that if if investigated correctly uh, by the CBI and by current law enforcement, that I think that this uh, family could get justice. Mm-hmm. And the thing here is I, the the Hiltz family. God bless them. They deserve as justice. Good luck to them. Candace deserves justice. I think I don't know that we're going to get a conviction in this case. It it seems a little too sloppy to me. Um, but no, I, I think they could, but I think it's going to take that community mm-hmm. rallying around the fact that they deserve answers and they deserve to have uh, people that they pay to serve and protect, serve and protect, and not you know get in the way of justice or take the law into their own hands and it's going to take the local community constantly uh just you know badgering them and being a thorn in their side and then they'll do something about it but until then they won't do anything about it but what would be a huge step in the right direction for the hilts family and for everyone in that community in the fremont county area they need to prosecute Dodd on all of these charges to the fullest. Yeah, he needs to go to jail for this. Right, and to 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 the sheriff in charge out there and to the district attorney out there, you know, I apologize if you didn't do any misdoings here. This is your mess now. This is, this is your mess to clean up, and you've got to straighten out this situation. That's on, it's on you. It's on your shoulders. This is your community, and I hope that they do that, and I hope we get some results regarding Dodd and these charges soon. All right. Thanks for listening. I want to apologize for the wood chipper earlier. And then you might've heard my niece screaming her little head off because she's over creating havoc in the garage. (laughs) Uh, We have recommended reading. Yes. This week we are recommending the scarred heart, understanding and identifying kids who kill by Dr. Helen Smith. Violent kids, they are everywhere, or so we are told. The evening news is full of blood-curdling stories of youth violence. Schools are trying all sorts of approaches in the hopes of preventing yet another massacre. Adults have done a lot of talking about juvenile violence, but few of them have spent time talking to the kids themselves. Dr. Helen Smith has. This book is based on her experience interviewing violent children and teenagers. It also reflects the findings of her massive national survey of violent and nonviolent youths age 10 to 19. So from the good doctor's experience and the voices of kids and teenagers comes suggestions for healing the scarred hearts that lead to juvenile violence. So check out Scarred Hearts by Dr. Helen Smith. You can do that by going to our website, truecrimegarage.com. Click on the recommended page. Pick up any of our suggested books by going through our Amazon banner. And while you're at the website, you want to go to our merch page because there's going to be Team Nick tank tops for a limited time only. They're probably going to sell out by Friday because I just ordered a small batch. So check those out. All right, Colonel. Till next week. That's right. Get your tank on, not your stank on. Go Team (laughs) Nick. Until next week, be good, be kind, and don't let Go chop some wood.
morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.